welcome to church. Would you stand as we worship this morning? It's good to be in the house of the Lord. Zephaniah 3.17 says that he is with you and he rejoices over you as singing. So this morning as we sing, he is rejoicing over you. Thank you, Jesus.
All right, all right. Good morning, church. How are we doing? Good? Everybody doing good? Yeah? Sweet, sweet. I got a few announcements for you, um, if you're ready for it. So, you know, just hang on to your seats here. Uh, we got some good stuff here going on. Um, my name's Curtis, first of all, and uh, I work here at the church. I do branding and design and stuff like that. So I'm very blessed to work here. And uh, so this year we've got Easter celebrations happening uh, next Sunday. It's going to be at 10 o'clock a.m., and please, 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 on your way out, grab a flyer, invite a friend, invite a coworker, invite a neighbor. Um, we've got them at all the exits, all the entrances. So please grab a flyer on your way out and invite somebody. Um, <clears throat> I was actually at, uh, I was going to pick up some faucets for the worship center uh, about a week and a half ago. And the person who was helping me, I just had it on my heart that I should invite them. So I gave her a flyer, and she was, like, so excited and so, like, thankful to receive it. And so if you're, you know, if you're hesitant about it, just, you know, trust the Lord, and he'll guide you. Um, it's going to be really good. So also, if you want to sign up for serving uh, for Easter on Saturday, set up or clean up or whatever you want to do. Um, we'll have a QR code on the screen to, to, that you can scan and sign up there, or you can sign up at the info center up the driveway. Um, also, if you'd like to be baptized on Easter, um, we'd love to baptize you, so you can also get more information on that on the baptism tab on the website or at the info center as well. Uh, and then uh, we had an amazing, amazing cleanup day yesterday. So we had a, a great turnout, I think 35, 40 people or something like that, and uh, got a lot done. It was, it was great energy. It was super exciting and really fun and just a great time to connect uh, together. So it, it went really well. Um, and so we're excited about the progress that's happening at the worship center. Um, and yeah, it's all, it's all going great. And um, yeah, so excited about that. And then um, M6 Men's Gathering is happening uh, tomorrow night um, at 6 p.m. So at Thousand Hills Ranch. So if you're a guy and you want to connect with some other guys, it's a great, great opportunity to do that. So um, with that, let's worship some more. All right. Awesome.
Thank you, Lord. We bless you, God. Faithful, Lord. You're faithful, God. We're so thankful, Lord, for your presence here today and for the privilege that it is to gather as friends, brothers and sisters in the Lord, the family of God. God, we just pray that every person gathered would feel your presence. God, that each person gathered would just feel welcomed and loved by the people of God, but also you, Lord, that people would just feel your love for them and your grace for them, Lord God. So, Lord, we just invite your power and your presence, Lord. We invite you to do supernaturally, abundantly above everything that we might hope or imagine in Christ Jesus. Lord, that there would just be life-changing worship today, life-changing prayer today, life-changing fellowship today. God, that you'd be glorified. God, we're so honored by your presence, and I pray, God, that you would fill every room on this campus, every space, Lord, inside and outside, Lord God. God, that we would just experience your presence. God, that even as people walk by the front on the sidewalk, Lord, they would just be drawn by your spirit. They would just feel something of your, your power and your presence, Lord God, that would draw them by your Holy Spirit. And so, Lord, for those who are wondering about you today, I pray that you would reveal yourself to those people in powerful and profound ways, God, that you would affirm and confirm your existence, Jesus, your love for them, your kindness toward them, your plan for them, Lord Jesus. So bless, we pray, every person gathered, young and old, everybody, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. I'm going to cover a couple things, and then we'll take a little break, and then we'll introduce our speaker today. Um, first and foremost, I just want to um, acknowledge Danny and Norma Gaddis. Can we get Danny and Norma's picture up there on the screen? These guys have been serving. There they are. They've been a part of our church for the better part of two decades, and um, they've been serving our community uh, in the food pantry ministry for years and years and have served literally hundreds and hundreds of families. They're the people behind all of the baskets at Christmas and Thanksgiving, and uh, they've been out there on Thursdays passing out food at our food bank for literally years and years and years. Just, they've been a huge blessing, and it's their season now to kind of um, retire from that ministry, so we just wanted to honor them and bless them. Um, it's actually being taken over by a pastor at Grace Bible Church, and so it's kept, we're seeing a little bit of a transition there. We'll see what happens here at Harvest as we move forward, but uh, pastor Mario over at uh, Grace Bible Church is just doing a phenomenal job and providing food for people here and uh, over in Guadalupe, and so we're really grateful for that partnership that we have with Grace Bible, and uh, we love them, and grateful for uh, what God has been able to do as we've collaborated together over the years. We wanted to bless them. Also, I wanted to just highlight something um, for everybody's awareness. Um, there's a new assembly bill that's coming out. It's called AB 2223. How many are familiar with AB 2223? So um, let's go ahead and throw up the first slide there. Um, AB 2223, it's new legislation that legalizes self-abortion at any stage of pregnancy and essentially legalizes infanticide in California. So um, this bill has been changed. They've, been, they've added to this bill so that um, you can actually, it's gonna be legal if it passes to 
kill your babies up to, depending on how you define what they're talking about, but at least up to seven days. But some, some definitions um, speak of uh, uh, up to a year, that you're able to kill your baby up to a year. So it just says, new language added to AB 2223 last week revealed the, dis the disturbing intent. The proposed legislation would shield a mother from civil and criminal charges for any actions or omissions related to her pregnancy, including miscarriage, stillbirth, or abortion, or perinatal. So that's the word, perinatal death. That word is defined differently, uh, depending on where you look, but it means, you know, the five months or so leading up to delivery, and then up to, depending on where it's defined and where you look, up to a year um, after. So you can give birth, have a kid, at your house for six months, you decide you don't want the kid, you can kill the kid, and there's no legal recoil, uh, re recoil there. So, um, so what we're doing um, is we're just asking everybody to be aware of this, and if you would like to call, let's put up um, the next slide here, where it's at right now. On April 5th, 2022, the bill passed the Assembly Judiciary Committee. The next step is the Assembly Health Committee. Um, and it's most likely going to be happening on April 19th. So that's the, the Tuesday following Easter. And so a lot of people will be at the state capitol, myself included, and a lot of our staff will be there um, at the state capitol on Tuesday the 19th to pray and to protest this horrific bill. And so um, let's go ahead and throw up the next slide. I think it gives us a phone number on the next slide, hopefully. Yeah, so Buffy Wicks is um, a politician up in the Bay Area who's kind of authoring this and driving this. And so if you can call and just express your perspective on this, I called yesterday and with great clarity expressed my disapproval. So if you would like to call and express your opinion, then please call that number 916 319 I'll have that number as well. So we just want to take a moment to pray and ask the Lord to protect our state. And this is kind of something that's happening in New York, I, think, I believe in Washington, California, and then there's another state somewhere, but um, it's happening. So we just have to be aware. Um, this is a, a moral outrage is what this is. The scripture is clear about the value of human life. We're made in the image of God. And so we have, as a church, as, a, as believers, as people of faith, have to stand up and oppose this type of legislation, these types of laws. They're, it's, they're, they're insane. So let's go ahead and stand up and pray, and we're going to agree together. Lord, we just agree together in Jesus' name that you would not allow this Assembly Bill 2223 to be... Uh, approved, Lord God, in Jesus' name. We pray, God, that you would protect kids, protect our, our state and our nation from this type of law uh, being allowed. Um, and uh, so we, we pray in Jesus' name, and we break the powers of darkness. It's the enemy of our souls. It's Satan um, who is trying to drive this thing through, Satan who hates life. And uh, so we pray in Jesus' name, God, that you would be victorious in Sacramento on the 19th, God, that you would protect this state from this atrocity, from this terrible, terrible bill, Lord. So we pray, God, that you would 
remind us to pray and remind us to participate in the process, Lord, that we might stop this type of thing from happening in our state, Lord God, that we would always pray that your will would be done in our state, Lord God, that we would trust you, God, for your divine plans and purposes in this state and in this in this nation, we pray. Thank you, Lord, for who you are. Thank you that we have an opportunity to uh, express our opinion and to let governing officials know where we stand. So help us to do so with uh, clarity and um, with passion, we pray. Thank you, Lord. Let us rem remember to pray, we pray, every day. Lord, help us remember to pray every day throughout the day for this bill, Lord. And uh, we love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So with that, to go ahead and turn and greet your neighbor, and we'll come right back here in just a moment. Looks like Cyril's got some breakfast for us here. He's got a little um, applesauce, it looks like. He's got um, some greens. Are you going to make us an omelet? Oh, I got a treat for you. Okay, it'll be a treat. Good, good, good. Uh, so this is Cyril. I'll stand down here with Cyril. So Cyril's, um, he's been here. This is, I think, Cyril's third time uh, with this presentation or a similar presentation. And uh, it's been five years or yeah, so. 2017. 2017. Okay, so it's been a while since Cyril's been here. And uh, so he reached out to me, and we talked in the last, I don't know, a few months. And um, there's some music. I like the music. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, it's not bad, right? <laughs> so we want to welcome Cyril. And just um, he's going to give us a Jewish perspective. He's a Jewish man. Um, a completed Jew, he believes that Jesus is the Messiah, and uh, so uh, Cyril's going to give us his perspective and hopefully a little bit of his testimony. Uh, get got saved at USB, right? UCSB? No, actually, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll okay, you fill us in. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm misremembering already. So let's pray for Cyril, and then we'll let him go for it. Here, yeah. Lord, thank you, Jesus, for what Cyril will bring to us today. We pray that it will enrich our. Bible knowledge, our souls, our hearts, and minds, Lord God, that we would be enriched in every way. Bless our brother as he brings this message and this word, we pray in Jesus' name. 
Amen. 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 Oh, thank you, brother. All right, am I coming in? Great. What a joy to be back here. I was so looking forward to this, really. I love you guys. I missed you. It's been five years. I've been in the battlefield uh, in Los Angeles, a.k.a. Gomorrah. <laughs> Who knows where Sodom is? North San Francisco, that's right. Yeah. Wow. Um, never thought I'd be speaking in churches, coming from a Jewish background. I was born in France, grew up in San Francisco. We were the only Jews in an Italian Catholic neighborhood. <laughs> Went to UC Santa Barbara, got tired of the party scene by my sophomore year. I said, there's got to be more to life. Started searching, got, but of course, I went where you're not supposed to go as a Jew, Eastern religion. So I became a Jew boo. And uh, dabbled in all that, eventually went back to my Jewish roots when I came to see that the Bible is truly of God when I studied with rabbis in Jerusalem and became a modern Orthodox Jew from 1988 to 93. And in my search, uh, I had a dream, and excuse me, a vision of Jesus uh, and a roadway to heaven in the desert back in Joshua Tree. It's a long story, but uh, basically... In my search for Jesus, after this vision, I kept getting the wrong Jesus for four years. You know, that my rabbi said he was a revolutionary. The psychics I was going to said he was some ascendant master. Um, <clears throat> books I read said he escaped the crucifixion and went to southern Europe and had a family and his kids became the kings of Europe. I mean, just whatever. Finally, though, thank God, I met a true Christian here in the central coast. And uh, my brother was going to Cal Poly, and I was down here helping him uh, move. And the lady he was renting from was a Christian, and we talked, and I saw her Bible, and I was looking through it, and it had the Old and the New Testament in it. And I'm like, what's this Gentile doing with my Bible? <laughs> and it was all written up, and, and you, I mean, she, it was a Bible. And she, we went out to pizza, and she shared the gospel with me, and I don't remember a word she said. But I do remember the spiritual peace that she had, and I didn't. And I'm supposed to be from the Cohens and the Levites. I'm an Orthodox Jew. Something's missing. Anyway, I go back to San Francisco. Two weeks later, she sends me a big box of books and a five-page letter. And I'm like, oh, she's got a crush on me. But I read the letter, and it, what it was was she saw that I was searching, and I was thirsting for living water, and it was these books about the real Jesus. Evidence That Demands a Verdict by Josh McDowell, More Than a Carpenter. And I started reading these books. I was not against Jesus at this time, because I'd had this vision of him. And then the n next night, I had this dream of visitation of a being in such, that it is such glory and eyes like welding torches. I couldn't even look at them. I thought I was going to die in his presence. doesn't say anything, but he holds out this parchment with all this writing on it, and I couldn't read it, but I knew in my spirit it was my whole life up to that time. And in big, bold letters on the bottom, it said, it's time to come home. And I woke up, and I said, something's going to happen to me. So I told my rabbi, who I was studying Kabbalah with, and he tried to give me some crazy answer. That's not it. I finally picked up the Josh McDowell books, and through that, I saw how Jesus fulfilled the many prophecies from the Old Testament. 
These are hidden from my Jewish people. Isaiah 53, Psalm 22, Zechariah 9. I'm like, why didn't anyone show this to me? And I, I learned from this uh, book that you needed a blood atonement for forgiveness of sin. My Jewish people are not taught this anymore. The rabbis teach if you fast and pray on Yom Kippur, you're good to go for a year. That didn't work. So I went through the four spiritual laws, made sure it was okay, that it was kosher. <laughs> and I knew I was a sinner. That was not a problem. I was an Orthodox Jew. I, you know, I was face to face with my sins every day. And I prayed to receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior by myself in my kitchen. And it was like a brick house lifted from me. I, it was a tangible darkness. And I knew that I was white as snow, that I was completely forgiven finally. And I was so excited. I was on that phone. I, what some, you know, I, I was trying to call all the people I thought were Christians that I knew. And they, most of them thought I was nuts. <laughs> finally, I met one guy, and he told me, you've been born again. So that was, the Lord just did a very quick work in me. I did a 180, didn't need to party anymore, didn't need to chase girls anymore, didn't need to take drugs anymore. Everything went out the window. Everything was Jesus after that. And the Lord sent me to Hawaii, sold everything, and got discipled out there for two years. You know, that's where God sends Jews to get discipled. The Lord gave me a, a, a passion for souls right away, and I just couldn't stop talking about Jesus. And soon after that, I went to Israel, became a citizen, did Aliyah, did evangelism, frontline evangelism out there for two years, then came back here, did frontline evangelism in San Francisco and for three years, then got married and went to uh, Southern California, where I've been since 2000. So it's been quite an adventure. If you like testimonies, uh, my wife and I did write a small pamphlet called Match by Messiah, and that's, uh, you get two for one, two Jews for the price of one. <laughs> and uh, my wife's uh, extra Jewish because she's from Brooklyn. <laughs> Anyways, we did Passover every year uh, in my house in San Francisco. My grandmother made the best lamb. I just loved it. But it was a tradition. We just did it because we were supposed to do it. Uh, but now that I've been born again, it's alive. It has, the meaning is so much richer. Like all the biblical holidays that the Lord gave my people, they are about reminding us who God is and what he's done. Because the Lord knows how apt we are to forget and get complacent. That's why I actually love sharing my testimony. I'll share it every day if I have to because it reminds me of the mud ache I came out of. And I don't want to take that lightly. Uh, so Passover is a seven-day holiday. It happens this time of year. I think it starts on the 15th this year. And it revolves around leaven. We're not allowed to eat any leaven. We're only allowed to eat unleavened bread, matzah. And we get very creative with this. <laughs> you see, leaven in the Bible is symbolic of sin because just as it's used to puff up cakes and cookies and breads, sin puffs us up with pride, which separates us from God. And uh, <clears throat> the first night of Passover is a Seder, when the whole family comes over and ushers in the Passover the week. And uh, you cannot have a Passover if you have any leaven in your house. You have to do a major house cleaning. It's a time of the year when you clean all the places in your house that you don't normally clean the rest of the year. Under the fridge, under the couches, in the, in the, you know, the pillow, under the pillows, in the, under the cabinets, wherever a crumb could be hiding, you've got to get it. 
or you cannot have a Passover. In fact, you cannot have any bread, cakes, or cookies in your house during Passover. So we're supposed to take it and burn it. And if you go to Jerusalem before the Passover, it's not unusual to smell burnt toast in the air because people are taking their bread to the park and they're having a bread bonfire. <laughs> but here in America, they don't do that so much. What they usually do is they bag up their cakes and cookies and they give them to their Gentile neighbors to hold <laughs> till after the Passover. I'm pretty sure that my grandma, she bagged it all up and stuck it in the freezer downstairs. <laughs> but we're supposed to burn it. Once the, the leaven is out of the house, the whole family comes over, and the head of the house is going to wear a special prayer shawl. If any of you have been to a synagogue or a bar mitzvah, it's, uh, the men will wear these prayer shawls. They have tassels on the corners. It's a commandment to my Jewish people to remember the covenant we made with God at Mount Sinai. It goes over like this. But instead of wearing the usual yarmulke or skull cap as a sign of respect to God, the night of Passover, the man of the house is going to wear something a little more elaborate, symbolic of a crown. Because the night of Passover, the man of the house is the king of the house. And in a, <laughs> and in a Jewish family, it's the only night of the year that he's king of the house. At least it's not an Italian family where he's never king of the house. <laughs> and as the king of the house, he's going to guide his family through the traditional Passover Seder. Seder means order because there's an order to this. Using four cups of grape juice and a Seder plate that has six different food items that are going to help us tell the story of Passover. And he's going to do that using this book called a Haggadah, which means the telling, because it's all about telling a story. So the evening will begin with the lighting of candles. This is the honor and duty of the oldest woman of the house. She will light the candles. Where's my wife? And she will say a prayer and make this motion to welcome the Holy Spirit, the Ruach HaKodesh, to the evening. And it's appropriate that the woman of the house light the candles because the Bible is very clear that it would be through a woman that the Messiah would come. And the enemy knew this. Look at the matriarchs of the Jewish people, Rebecca, Sarah, uh, uh, Rachel. They were all barren. The enemy said, hey, got you. No Messiah is coming from here. Well, the Lord opened all those wombs. In fact, my wife, when we got married, the doctor said we would never have children. She had a condition, a, a ovarian syndrome, uh, and they said, you're never going to have children. We have three. So who's in charge, folks? So the candles are lit. Uh, at this point, the head of the house is going to lift up the first cup, the cup of sanctification. This cup sets the night apart from all the other nights. He'll hold it like this and say a Hebrew prayer that goes like this. Baruch Adonai, Eloheinu melech haolam, peri hagafen, amen. Which translates into, <laughs> Blessed are you, O Lord our God, King of the universe, creator of the fruit of the vine. 
The cup of sanctification sets the night apart from all the other nights. After that, the head of the house is going to move over to the Seder plate, and he's going to start to tell the story of Passover. And it starts with Jacob, the patriarch of the Jewish people. He lived in the promised land, in the land of Canaan. He had 12 sons. And his, his favorite was little Joseph, one of the youngest. And he wasn't shy about letting everybody know. This was very annoying to the older brothers. Especially later on, Jacob sent Joseph to go and spy on the older brothers who were taking care of the sheep and the goats out in the fields. So when the older brothers saw little Joseph coming to spy on them, they were very annoyed. They seized him and they sold him to some slave traders and some, on the way to Egypt, a couple hundred miles away, and then lied to Jacob and said, poor Joseph was killed by a wild animal. Jacob was devastated and went into a deep, deep mourning and would not be consoled. If this wasn't bad enough for poor Joseph, serving his master faithfully in Egypt for several years, the, the, uh, several years later, the, the master's wife falsely accused him, and he was sent to prison for life. But God was with Joseph, and he gave him the gift of interpreting dreams. And it wasn't long before the Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, had two dreams that nobody could interpret. None of his psychics or sorcerers could interpret these dreams, and they tormented him. And he soon learned of Joseph's gift of interpreting dreams. And he called him out of prison, and he asked him, can you interpret these dreams that are tormenting me? And he said, no, but my God will. And sure enough, he did. They were prophetic. They foretold of seven years of plenty, followed by seven years of worldwide famine. Pharaoh saw that God was with Joseph. He made him his right-hand man, put him in charge of all the grain of Egypt. And God gave Joseph wisdom to stash away 20% of the grain that came in during the seven years of plenty. For sure enough, when the eighth year hit, famine hit the whole world. And it wasn't long before peoples from all around were coming to Egypt to buy grain. Well, guess who showed up after a couple years? Jacob's brothers. Jacob sent them to Egypt to buy grain. They were starving. And there they were in front of their brother to buy grain. Well, guess what? They didn't recognize him. He was dressed like an Egyptian. He spoke Egyptian. But he recognized them. So he decided to make them sweat a little bit. But after a while, when he saw that they were repentant for what they did, he couldn't hold back, and he had to reveal himself. And he said, I am Joseph. What was the reaction? They were horrified. This is the brother they betrayed and sold into slavery. Now he's the right-hand man of Egypt. He could squish him in a second. But there was a forgiveness that was poured out, and the brothers were reconciled. <clears throat> kind of reminds me of when I came to faith and discovered that Jesus wasn't just a rabbi or an ascendant master, that he was God in the flesh. I was horrified. I'd been using his name as a swear word my whole life. But the Lord's forgiveness was poured out, and I was reconciled to God. So the brothers are reconciled. They have Pharaoh. Uh, Pharaoh has favor on the Hebrew people, and he invites them to come and dwell in Egypt. God shows Jacob that it's okay, go to Egypt, because one day I'll bring you back to the promised land. So Jacob goes. He's overjoyed to know that Joseph lives and that he has a couple grandsons, Ephraim and Manasseh, and so Jacob and his whole clan come to Egypt, and there they dwell and prosper and multiply. 
So much so that later on, when the new Pharaoh takes over, who doesn't know Joseph, he decides to deal shrewdly with the Hebrews and make them slaves. Not just for 10, 20 years, folks. We're talking several hundred years of hard, bitter bondage. And we remember this as we lift up the first item of the Seder plate, fresh parsley, symbolic of life, and it's dipped in salt water, symbolic of tears, to make tears to remind us that a life of slavery is a life filled with tears. After this, we move over to the second item, a horseradish root. This is a very bitter root, and it's a visual reminder of the bitterness of life as a slave. The third item, my favorite, fresh ground horseradish. We're supposed to eat a whole teaspoon of this stuff. You know what happens when you do that? Usually you turn red and start crying. Well, we cannot proceed with this Passover Seder presentation unless we have three volunteers that are gutsy enough to try the horseradish. Who's ready for that? Come, oh, come on up, young lady. Anyone else? We need two more. Come on. Or we're stuck here. Two more. Come on. Come on. There's got to be a brave soul in here. Oh, come on up. Let's give him a hand. Okay. One more. One more. Come on up. Come on up. Okay. Fantastic. Now, since my Lord is merciful, I thought I'd be merciful and give it to them with some matzah. Is that okay with you guys? <laughs> no, give it to them straight. Yes, okay. Okay, all of you stand right up front here. We're going to set you up. Okay, there you go. Don't take it yet. <laughs> yeah, okay. There you go. Right next to her. Good, okay. All right, there you go. All right, right there, okay. Now, this is supposed to be the taste of slavery. Does anyone know the prayer for last right? Okay, on three. One, two, three. They did it! All right! <laughs> Thank you, my man. Good job. Thank you. Let me shake your hand. Thank you. Thank you. I knew there were some brave souls at this church. We can now proceed with the Passover Seder. After that, the head of the house is going to lift up the fourth item. It's called Haroset. It's a sweet mixture of apples, honey, cinnamon, almonds, and it's supposed to remind us of the mortar or the cement that we were forced to make as slaves for many years in Egypt. But why use a sweet mixture for that? Well, we had the promise of God that he would bring us back to the promised land. And that kept us going. Haroset. Good. After that, the head of the house will lift up the fifth item, the chagiga or hard-boiled egg. Now, you have to understand about half of what I'm going to show you this morning we believe that Jesus did that with the disciples in the Last Supper. There's the, everything else is traditions that came later, like this. This came later because this is a symbol of mourning for the Jewish people. It reminds us of the temple in Jerusalem that was destroyed and burned to the ground by the Romans. 
Yeah. And it's placed over the fire to remind us that the temple was burned to the ground by the Romans in 70 AD and the Jewish people were dispersed all over the world. But for, Jew, for believers like us, this is a symbol that reminds us that Jesus was 100% accurate when it came to prophecy. You see, he foretold that this magnificent temple that took 40 years to build would come down and not one stone left on another. And they mocked him. But folks, that's exactly what happened. The Chagigah. After this, the head of the house is going to move over to the second cup, the cup of plagues. And here we remember how God chose Moses to go to Pharaoh to say, let my people go. But Pharaoh said no, not just once, but ten times. And every time he did, God had to pour out a plague on Egypt. We remember these plagues as the head of the house would dip his finger in the grape juice and let ten drops fall onto his plate as the ten plagues are remembered. Anyone remember what some of those plagues were? River to blood, frogs, flies, lights, lice, locusts, boils, darkness, hail to fire, two more, death of the firstborn, and finally, uh, the pestilence. The animals died the Egypt, in the Egypt, but the animals in the Jews didn't die. It's funny, it's really amazing. Whenever I ask, people always say the frogs first, and the pestilence last. It's amazing. What's interesting about this second cup is it reminds us that this was a showdown, folks, between the God of Israel and the false gods of Egypt. You see, the Egyptians used to worship the Nile River. God made it useless, turned it to blood. They used to worship the sun. God turned it off for three days. They used to worship the beasts of the field. They all died, except for the ones in, uh, of, the, the, of the Hebrew people. In fact, did you know that the Pharaoh was everyone, all the firstborn of Egypt were consecrated to worship Pharaoh as God. And with the last plague, death of the firstborn, God did away with Pharaoh worship in one day. If he can't protect his only firstborn son, he's not God. You see, the, the goal of the Passover was to show not only the Egyptians, but the Hebrews that the God of Israel is the one true God. Cup of plagues. After that, the uh, head of the house is going to move over to the last item of the Seder plate, the Zroah, or lamb bone. And here we remember how God made a provision to spare his people. Death of the firstborn was coming to Egypt, and um, the Lord told the Jewish people to take a perfect lamb or goat. You had to live with, live with it for four days, and after that, the poor thing had to be killed and its innocent blood placed on the doorpost. For when death visited Egypt and saw the blood, it passed over those houses, and everyone that was in those houses was spared. That's where we get the name Passover. And this also reminds us of the three food items we're supposed to eat at Passover, bread, uh, unleavened bread, lamb, and bitter herbs, the Zroah. Good, well, that's the sixth item of the Seder plate. After that, the head of the house is going to move over to this pouch, where there's three pieces of unleavened bread, but only the middle one is pulled out. We believe it's, it's, that, it's because the three symbolizes the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. But the rabbis will say it's symbolic of the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But we believe it's the Son because the Son of God is the aspect of God that dwelt among us. It's taken out of the pouch, broken in half, placed in a white pouch and hidden away because later on all the children are sent out to find it. 
they tear the house apart. Because they know the one that finds it gets a big prize. When it's found, everyone rejoices. It's pulled out of the pouch for everyone to see, broken up and shared with everybody. And that's when the third cup is raised, the cup of redemption. Does this look familiar? This is where we get communion. Jesus ushered the communion in during the Last Supper with the third cup because it's the cup of redemption, and he is the redeemer. You see, before I came to faith, when sin came knocking on my door, I was like, come on in, let's party. I couldn't say no. But now I got a big sign on my front door that said, no soliciting. <laughs> I can say no to sin. I'm no longer a slave. So Jews that don't know Jesus, they'll think of Moses and how God used him to set us free from physical slavery. But Jesus took it and magnified and said, now you're going to remember with the new covenant how God set you free from spiritual slavery. Cup of redemption. Amen? <clears throat> now the matzah is unleavened just as Jesus was without sin. It's broken just like Jesus was broken. It's hidden in a white cloth as he was wrapped in white linen. It's hidden away. God says, you must be as a child to know me. The children are sent out to find it. When it's found, everyone rejoices. When we're found, the angels rejoice. It's pulled out of the pouch for everyone to see, just as Jesus was risen from the dead after three days, witnessed by over 500 Jews, broken into pieces, and shared with everyone, just as Jesus is the bread of life. Looks like the gospel message to me, folks. But my Jewish people don't see this. If you ask the rabbi, hey, what's the deal with hiding the matzah and the kids finding it and getting a prize? They usually say it's just a game to keep the kids occupied. We think it's a tradition that came from the first church in Jerusalem and got somehow mixed up with mainstream. Good. Well, after the third cup, the head of the house is going to lift up the fourth cup, the cup of praise, the cup of Hallel. And here we praise God for his faithfulness to bring the people out of slavery and back to the promised land. The cup of Hallel. Good. Well, that's the four cups, sanctification, plagues, redemption, and praise. We are in the home stretch, folks. There's this fancy-looking cup we haven't talked about yet, the cup of Elijah. And at every uh, uh, Seder table, there's an empty place setting with this cup because the Jewish people know that before the coming of the Messiah, God would send Elijah to tell them who the Messiah is. So at the end of the Passover, the youngest child present, send to the front door, Everyone will look as he opens it, and they're hoping and praying that Elijah will come walking in to tell them who the Messiah is. So if you're driving around town the night of Passover, and you see some doors go flying open, go on in. <laughs> Have a seat. Tell them who the Messiah is. We know who Elijah is, right? John the Baptist. Jesus said he is Elijah who has come to prepare the way of the Lord. Amen? Amen. All right. Well, I'm going to give all of you a hand for surviving a Passover Seder. And quickly, I'm going to give you a window into my world. Before we close, we got those uh, slides. All right. We're going to just zip through this, folks. Okay. Uh, this is me before I got saved. Like I said, I was in bondage. Go ahead. The devil thought he had me, but thankfully I was set free by the power of the blood of Jesus. Go ahead. Uh, the Lord sent me to Venice. It's the enemy's camp. It's the second most visited place in California behind Disneyland. Thousands of people go there every day. A lot of people don't know that. Go ahead. This is what, uh, go ahead. 
This is what Venice looks like. It's a walkway, a mile and a half long. Thousands of people just strolling back and forth. Go ahead. Here's another picture of the walkway. Go ahead. Another picture. Go ahead. The end of the road for a lot of people, folks. You know, people come to L.A., they try to make it big, and they get beat up and end up homeless, drug addicts, alcoholics, whatever, and they end up sleeping on the beach at Venice. Go ahead. And the enemy's there every day. You got the tarot card readers. Go ahead. You got the marijuana. Go ahead. You got the Hindus. Go ahead. And you got the psychics. You know, I lived at Venice for three months. uh, When I was going to UC Santa Barbara, when I graduated, I was an artist. I did painting. I had a big show there. Lived on a roof for three months. And I was searching. I'd walk up and down that walkway. Never ran into a ministry or a Christian. But the psychics were there. Come on in. And I ended up getting deceived. You got the Krishnas are there. Go ahead. Uh, You got the devil shows up now and then. You got to rebuke him in the name of Jesus. Go ahead. Uh, You got the warlocks. Go ahead. You got the witches. This is not Halloween, folks. Uh, You got the cults. This guy's part of a black Hebrew cult, Israelites, and they're very violent. There's a whole, I got whole stories about that, believe me. Now, I'm not going to be able to get into too, too, too much detail this morning, but if you want to be in the trenches, if you have a heart for people in California, uh, uh, souls in California, you want to sign up at, with this clipboard at the back table, and you'll be put in the trenches where all the action is at Venice Beach. Uh, my praise reports are short and sweet. They're no fluff. You're going to get the good, the bad, and the ugly. Go ahead. Where are we at? Okay, yeah, you cannot be like little Bo Peep at Venice Beach. You'll get beat up and you'll never come back. Go ahead. You got to be like this guy. You got to be ready for battle with your sword of the spirit, your shield of faith, and your helmet of salvation. I love that picture. He's not going anywhere. He's got his foot planted there and he's not going to run. Where are we there? Okay, yeah, so here we are. We're at Venice Beach with our Jesus Loves You shirts and our shofars. And when the enemy shows up, that's what we blow, the shofar. Hallelujah. The Bible says in in Numbers chapter 10, verse 9, he instructed Moses to say, when you go to the enemy and and when you go into your land and the enemy's harassing you, you blow your shofar and I will fight your battles. And that's who we trust to fight our battles. Go ahead. We set up a, a canopy with a table with free English, Spanish, and Hebrew New Testaments. And people just come to our table all day long. We don't have to go hogtie anybody. They are just coming all day long. We have a a trained volunteer ministry team that comes out with me every time. Jews and Gentiles serving God together. We wave the Israeli flag so that Israelis know that it's a safe place. And Israelis love going to Venice. And they come by our table all the time. And a lot of Christians come by for prayer. Go ahead. We got... Uh, These people came by for prayer. This lady was digging for cans in the garbage, came back for prayer. Go ahead. Another guy came by for prayer. Go ahead. Prayer. Another woman for prayer. Go ahead. Another man for prayer. Go ahead. Another man for prayer. Go ahead. Prayer, prayer, prayer. Prayer. Go ahead. Uh, Another one for prayer. Go ahead. Uh, This lady was happy to get New Testaments for her kids. Go ahead. Uh, the whole family came by for prayer and Bibles. Go ahead. Uh, little kids get Bibles. Go ahead. Kids reading Bibles. Go ahead. Uh, the hippies come by now and then. Go ahead. 
Uh, and some people are just ready to get into God's word, and we're doing that with this young man. Go ahead. Uh, here this guy came to faith named Aaron. Some people are just ready to give their life to God. We calculated that 2,700 people a year will stop by our table. Uh, 1,600 of them will take New Testaments, and over 70 will come to faith. Dude, I don't know where else you can get that kind of exposure. Go ahead. Here's a Muslim that came by, got the gospel. Go ahead. Here's a, a trans, trans, uh, transvestite. He came by. His name's Eve Jenny. He came by and got the gospel. We've been praying for him for years. Go ahead. Uh, Israelis coming all the time, 12 to 24 every time. Go ahead. Another Israeli getting the gospel. Go ahead. Another Israeli getting the gospel and the Bible. Go ahead. Another one. Go ahead. And my dog, Moodles. <laughs> this Israeli was ready to get into God's word, and we're showing him the prophecies. Go ahead. Uh, here's a local Jew getting the gospel. Go ahead. And a homeless Jew from Pennsylvania got the gospel and a Bible. Go ahead. So it's seed sowing, seed sowing. This guy was in an Israeli tank battalion. He came by, he got the gospel. His name's Joseph. Go ahead. A whole group of Israeli soldiers came by. They were so moved by what we heard, they heard that we, they asked us to pray for them, and we blew the shofar for them, and they left with Hebrew New Testaments. Go ahead. Uh, Orthodox Jew came by big animated discussion with him. Go ahead. <laughs> and finally, this guy's name's Mandy. He was a, a guy who was struggling with sexual identity. He was on his way to get a sex change. Came by our table, gave his life to the Lord, left with a New Testament, showed up three months later, go ahead, with a beard. Yeah, amen. <laughs> he canceled his operation. Now he's reading his Bible every day. So praise God for uh, Mandy. Go ahead. Uh, this was, we got teams from churches coming to Venice Beach now, getting trained, getting experience, and they're taking it back to their uh, churches. Go ahead. Uh, go ahead. And finally, this is a picture of my wonderful family, my wife Rhonda, my daughter Gabriella, Daniel, and Yossi. So folks, never a dull day serving the Lord. All right, well, we're going to wrap this up. If you have any questions, come see me at the table in the back. Don't forget to sign up for our praise reports if you want to be in the trenches. Uh, um, and if you want to give, if God's moving you to help support this ministry and be a part of it, uh, I did, and, but you didn't come prepared, I can take credit cards at the back table. <laughs> so God bless you. I'm going to say a prayer as we close. Uh, I personalize the Our Father prayer, and I want to share it with you because it means so much to me for me now. I don't know, you get to the part where it says, lead me not into temptation. It always sounded like God was trying to tempt me. But God doesn't tempt us, right? The real meaning is this. Lord, don't let me give in to temptation. So let's say the Our Father together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Thank you for giving me my daily bread. Forgive my sins as I forgive those who sin against me. Don't let me give in to temptation, but deliver me from evil. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory. Amen. God bless you. Awesome. Church, will you stand as we worship? I think it's only appropriate that we sing about our Savior. And we sing about his coming and his time on earth and how we get to praise his name.
Jesus' face. 